0: I like Acts chapter 8, and the reason why I like Acts chapter 8 is because the main character that we see throughout here, other than the Holy Spirit, we don't see the Holy Spirit working, but we do see the Holy Spirit working. You'll see in a moment what I mean by that, is the main character we see in this story is an ordinary guy. Philip is an ordinary guy. Nothing special about him. Yeah, he's a deacon, we know from Acts chapter 6, but he's an ordinary guy. Um, a few years ago, ESPN in their 30 for 30 ran a documentary called Survive and Advance. Anthony knows about this. It's about the 1983 NC State Wolfpack men's basketball team that won the national championship. And their motto was to survive and advance. They barely made the tournament by winning the ACC tournament, and they just kept on winning. And they upset Houston, the national powerhouse who was picked to blow them out by 20, They wind up winning the national championship on that last second dunk by Lorenzo Charles. And and throughout that documentary, you see clips of Jim Valvano, the head coach at, at the time, the late Jim Valvano, speaking, sharing thoughts from his motivational speeches that he did publicly after. And one of them, he talks about something he heard at a high school basketball camp. And he heard the, the former USA Olympic pole vaulter and the decathlon athlete, the Reverend Bob Richards speak. Some of you are old enough to remember him. He was in the Olympics in like the 60s. He was a great athlete, great decathlete, great pole vaulter for the USA. He was also a believer. Share the gospel. He is speaking at this, this high school basketball camp that Valvano is, is at. And he says he remembers this saying by the Reverend Bob Richards, And this is what he said. The Lord must have loved ordinary people because he made so many of us. Hear that again. The Lord must have loved ordinary people because he made so many of us. Every single day, in every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. Think about that for a moment. The Lord must have loved ordinary people because he made so many of us every single day and every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. And, And that is what we're going to see today as we look at Acts 8, how an ordinary guy, not an apostle, through the guidance and prompting of the Holy Spirit, did some extraordinary things. He could have easily backed out, right? He could have stayed silent and said, this is too much, or stayed back in the shadows due to the persecution, but he didn't. And we're all going to see that play out in an ordinary guy like Philip. And as we read and as we look at Acts chapter 8, let's be encouraged. Let's put ourselves in the story. Let's put ourselves in Philip's shoes. And I believe it's why it was written. It was to encourage other ordinary believers like you and me that we can go out and do the work for the gospel. So be encouraged that someone who is just like you, just like me, was able to do great things for Christ and for the spread of the gospel through the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So let's be encouraged as we read Acts chapter 8, a little bit here and there, and then talk about it in the next few minutes we have. So here we are, verse 1, Acts chapter 8. It says this, Saul agreed with putting him to death, that's Stephen, um, that's me, my name. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him for the least of them to the greatest. And they said, this man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit, because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And skipping down to verse 25, so after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel. In many villages of the Samaritans, and we'll stop there for right now. Amazing scene. Amazing scene. Amazing things happening here in the book of Acts, especially in chapter eight. Quick background on Philip. As we as already mentioned, he is not an apostle. He is not a disciple. He is not the Philip that you read of in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John. He is a Hellenist. Right. We, we already know that from Acts six, when he's listed among the, the seven deacons who are picked out to help the widows. Um, he's a Greek speaking Jew. And as we already know from Acts chapter six, they're not really recognized by the Jews. They're overlooked. They're looked down upon sometimes, as we see with the widows, maybe even disowned, forgotten about, you know, so they're not really on the same playing field. And once again, we see that he is of, as Acts 6 tells us, he's of good repute, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. And we see in, in their work, in their the divvying up the jobs, the responsibilities as deacons, that the word of God increased and the number of disciples and the number of believers multiplied greatly. So we see all this amazing thing happening, all these amazing things happening up until Acts chapter 8. And we see it just right there in Acts chapter 6 as we first get introduced to Philip. But then we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 8 that as the believers increased, guess what also increased? The persecution. And we see that Saul is persecuting the church. And what does it cause believers to do. Well, the apostles, they decide to stay in Jerusalem and Judea, but we see the rest of the believers scatter. They flee. They go to the surrounding areas to get away from the persecution, and it's an interesting note that if you remember, Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1, hey, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and they were still in Jerusalem at this point, and here we see this persecution come along, and it scatters the believers. And where does it send Philip? Samaria. He sends, he goes to Samaria to preach the gospel. And we don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but maybe we can infer some things, right? Maybe it's the fact that he thought he would be safe from Jewish persecution. He'd be safe from Saul because there's no way a Jew is going into Samaria, right? We know Jesus went to there and that was a big deal. His disciples freaked out caused the commotion, but other, since then, no Jew is going in, some, into Samaria. No Jew wants to have an acquaintance with a Samaritan or a run-in with a Samaritan. We know this. Or maybe it's because he himself thinking, hey, I'm a little bit of an outcast amongst these believers. I'm a Hellenistic Jew. I don't fit in. Who better to relate to than these Samaritans? Who better to go to than the people who are just like me, who, who maybe feel just like me? who maybe aren't on the same level, just like me, with the Jews. Interesting. And we see that God uses this moment of persecution to take the gospel to the next place, to Samaria. Apostles, disciples, might have gotten a little comfortable there. And we see God is using this moment of persecution to make the gospel go forward outside of just the surrounding local areas. And sometimes we think, you know, when persecution comes, we in America, we have this maybe false sense of persecution. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, the government doesn't allow us to maybe worship freely during COVID or something like that. We can, we can have a laundry list of things. That is nowhere near. That's not persecution on the scale that this is. Saul was literally going, catching men and women, breaking down doors, dragging people off into prison, and as we see, confirming some of their executions. I don't think we see that in America yet. Yes, that's happening in other parts of the world. Yes, that's happening where we see in Turkey, like where George and Donna are. Maybe not to the extent, but in other places, the Middle East, China, things we might not hear. We know that is happening. Even in West Africa, it happens. So it is something that we see that God uses to spread the gospel. And we see that Philip goes down into Samaria. He proclaims Christ to them, right? He proclaims the gospel and says that people... Paid attention. They took note. They saw the signs that he did. They saw the demons being cast out, the sick that were healed, the lame that were made to walk. And we see that this ordinary man, not the apostle, was used by God to work in this way and to share the gospel with this power. And we see that many people believe, even Simon the magician, right? The man who had control over the people. With his sorcery, the man who the people said had great power. In fact, his power came from God. But when Philip comes and brings the gospel, that turns everything on its head. It shakes up their world, and it makes Simon look insignificant. And sometimes we, we fail to realize the power that the gospel has, right? Romans 117, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God, right? It is the power of God working. And it's a beautiful thing to remember that we can see that the gospel, when it is proclaimed and lived out like Philip is doing it here, it can have a great impact. So Simon the magician believes and he follows Philip. Can we see that it brings great joy to the city? Great joy. Think about all these people who might have been held under the power of Simon the magician, thinking he was something great. And now that they've heard of something better, they've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, they have joy. Brothers and sisters, do we understand that and realize that, that in sharing the gospel, in sharing the good news of the kingdom, in sharing about Jesus Christ, we are bringing good news, as the angel said back to the shepherds on that day, of great joy of great joy, the way we share it, the way we proclaim it, the way we interact with people should bring about joy, should bring about joy. It should bring about that excitement, that joy that I just saw at teen camp for a whole week. You know, Kids hearing the gospel, kids hearing the message, kids having fun, enjoying themselves, and seeing the joy, not just in the games, but the interactions and discussions that they had with one another and how they built up one another. And how Christ and the Holy Spirit moved through those lives. That brought great joy. And so we see that God can use anyone. God can use you and me to share the gospel. And that the promise of the Holy Spirit, the helper, is in full effect when we do. Remember, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to help you. He's going to guide you. He's going to let you know what you should say. Let you know what you should do. Prompt you to move. Paraphrasing, I know. And we see Philip taking that all in and that all being worked through Philip as he shares the gospel here in Acts chapter 8. And we see that this, this is so impactful, so powerful that it causes the apostles to take notice. The apostles say, hey, something's going on down in Samaria, right? Something's happened. We're, we're still here in Jerusalem, but something amazing is happening in Samaria. The gospel is being preached. People are believing. So what do they do? They send down Peter and John. It's like, guys, why don't you go there first? You know, they had, they had to wait. They had to wait for an ordinary guy like Philip was used to advance the gospel, used to work in the lives of the people, used to to show others Jesus Christ and to bring joy. And they finally come down. And they confirm, right? They check on and make sure that this is legit, and they confirm it. And they say, "Yes, these people are saved." But we need, you know, to make sure that the Holy Spirit comes upon them because they had only been baptized in Jesus' name. That gets a lot confusing, I know. But here they are. It's just the disciples confirming that what the Lord did through Philip, what the how the Lord worked in this moment was real. It was real. It was life changing. It was just society being impacted one person after another, moving in such a way that we see great joy. And so we see that everything in this moment, everything that goes on, is because Philip was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, to be prompted by the Holy Spirit, to be led and used by the Holy Spirit in order to advance the kingdom work. And the question we have to ask ourselves in this moment as we read this story is, how often do we have opportunities? Maybe not like Philip, where we're getting pushed out the door somewhere and we have to go someplace, but how often do we have opportunities to share the gospel or to maybe just share Jesus Christ in a little bit? Maybe not in words, but in actions. And maybe we don't because we think, I don't fit in. Or maybe we're not important enough. I'm not on these people's levels, so me sharing the gospel won't have that impact, right? I'm not high up on the food chain, so I won't connect with them. Or maybe we think to ourselves, I'm not competent enough, right? Maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I don't do well speaking in public. Maybe I'm an introvert, and, and getting involved <laughs> and sharing things with other people is, is really hard, and we use all those excuses. How often do we maybe miss out on the opportunity to share because, you know, we're going through a rough situation, right? We're we're, we're having a hard time. We're going through just struggling in life. Um, Things are happening to us, and and maybe we don't feel like it. And we see here that that Philip was used in such a way through that persecution. He was used to share the gospel in Samaria. And how often have we felt maybe that little nudge, or maybe that thought has crept into our head or that little small voice speaks to us and says, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's a person to share the gospel with. Here's a person to show the love of Jesus Christ to. Here's the person to bring joy to. And maybe we dismiss it as it's not the right time or the right place. You know, all the time we pray, maybe when you travel a lot, you go on the plane. Lord, send me next to somebody who needs to hear the gospel, who I can share the gospel with. Well... If you pray that prayer, I'm pretty sure the Lord's going to say, okay, here you go. And then we say nothing. Or we say, hi, my name is. And they say, hi, my name is. And then we put our headphones on. And two and a half hours later, three hours later, we've landed. And we don't have a conversation with them. Maybe we fall asleep. They fall asleep. We, We pray for those opportunities. We say we seek those opportunities. But a lot of times when those opportunities arrive, we're like, is this right? Is this it? I don't know. Should I? We ask all those questions. And as we've seen in Acts, So far, And as we will continue to see in Acts, if we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ believe that we have the spirit dwelling in us, know for sure that the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and he is there to guide us and prompt us and lead us, why do we not listen? Why do we check him? Why do we quench him? Why do we say, not now, Holy Spirit, not now is the time for me to move. Hold on. But yet we see Philip, Ordinary Philip, in a tough place, in a hard spot, with people he doesn't know, maybe with people he can sympathize with, people he knows about, but he doesn't know them directly. Total strangers is willing to be led by the Holy Spirit to go into this land and share the gospel. Even with a person like Simon lording his power, lording his presence over those same people, he is still willing to say, I'm going to go preach the gospel to these people. They need to hear it just as bad as anybody else. They need to know about Jesus Christ. They need to know who he is just as much as anybody else. So think about it. How could you be a Philip to those around you at work, school, your neighborhood, the people you interact with? How can we be used in those moments? Maybe it's not in work. Maybe it's not in, you know, giving a nice message about the gospel, but maybe it's just living it out, showing hospitality, being kind, being merciful, showing love. Someone needs help with something, being willing to assist. You know, that's one of the things that stood out as we read it in Acts chapter 2, how the believers at that time were willing to share what they had with anybody in need. And that drew a lot of attention. That drew a lot of people to then come hear the message, and we see Philip sharing the gospel, doing the work, doing the miracles. We see the works, the signs accompanying the message, and people are drawn to the message of Jesus Christ, and they believe. Are we willing to be used like Philip? Are we willing to allow the Lord to use us in our situations and our circumstances to share Jesus Christ with those who need it? We see that Philip was... And it not just impacted a few people, it not just impacted a handful of people, it impacted a whole people group. The gospel went forth, just like Acts 1-6, into Samaria. Are we willing? Are we willing to be used by the Lord in that way? Two, second story, we're not going to read it, I think we know it well. Uh, Verse 25-40 through of Acts 8 the Ethiopian eunuch, right? We see uh, at the beginning right there in verse 26 that the Lord comes to Philip. Actually, it says Peter and John in verse 25, they go back. They all keep preaching the gospel throughout Samaria. So we see Philip's work, Philip's prompting willingness to lot, listen to the Holy spirit causes Peter and John after they check on what's going on to then continue to share the gospel through Samaria. So we see that ordinary people can be used to do an ordinary extraordinary things and we see that it encourages others to do extraordinary things as well, right? When we see one believer doing something, we're like, man, I'd love to get in that work. How can I help? How can I be a part of it? How can I share in the same way or share in ways that would be impactful? We, we get encouraged by those moments. And we see that happening there in verse 25 and 26. And then we see that Philip is coming off this, this great spiritual high, right? Seeing all these people getting saved in Samaria, a mountaintop moment. And the Lord then tells him, Hey, Philip, get on the desert road, go all the way down towards Gaza, basically go to the the last stop before you enter Egypt, head down a ways, Philip, (laughs) there's something else you need to do, and Philip could have said, Lord. Why do you want me to leave this place? This is awesome what's happening in Samaria. I love it here. The people love me. The people are believing. The Holy Spirit's coming upon them, and great things are happening. Why do you want me to go to the middle of nowhere? He doesn't say that, right? He doesn't complain. He doesn't want to stay on the mountain. He listens to the prompting, and we see that he goes. You know, and it's kind of following the same thought of Jesus when Peter and John and the disciples come looking for him at the beginning of Mark in verse In Mark 1, verses 35 through 39, where where it says Jesus went out to pray and the disciples were looking for him. And they said, Lord, we were looking for you. Where were you? And Jesus says, hey, I have to go preach and proclaim the good news to other towns as well. I can't just get hung up here. I came to make known the gospel came to share the kingdom of God. I can't just be in one place. And we see Philip in his prompting realizes this, connects with that and goes down to where the Lord sends him. And at the same time, he's, he's heading down and traveling in that direction. An Ethiopian eunuch happens to be on the road. He's a treasurer. He is the treasurer in the queen's court. He is at the top. He's one of the top officials, right, of Candace's court. So he has a high-ranking position, yet he's a eunuch. You know what that means. I don't have to go into biology for you. So basically, he is not a wanted person. Yes, he's good to serve in the court of Queen Candace because he's a eunuch, but basically after that, really life and society would say he's not really a wanted person. He's not, he's not good, especially in a male dominated society. But he is heading home from Jerusalem after worshiping there and he's reading the prophet Isaiah, as we see. And obviously it's. It it must have been a smooth chariot ride, because I don't know how you're reading a scroll when you're being carried on a chariot on a desert road. Um, You know, it's hard for us to read our phones. We're sitting in the passenger seats driving through New Jersey roads anyway. So he's reading Isaiah and we see that the spirit prompts Philip to go over there. Hey, Philip, go over to that chariot. And once again, Philip doesn't question or hesitate. Right. How do we know this? He, he runs over there, right? He does his best for his gum, pulls up the road, and starts running to catch up with the Ethiopian eunuch. And as he's approaching, he, he's, he's hearing and, and listening to what the eunuch is is reading. And he's reading Isaiah. And Philip just says, hey, man, I, I hear you're reading Isaiah there. Do you, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading, right? Do you, are you, are you, are you understanding this? It's, it's heavy stuff. Even today we read Isaiah and we're like, that's heavy stuff. And he's saying, Hey, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch replies, yes, I, I need some help. I, I, I love this, but I, I need some help. I, I don't really understand who the writer's talking about himself or someone else. Another prompting. And Philip says, let me tell you who he's talking about. And the Ethiopian and Udic invites him up in the chariot, and we see that Philip shares that it's all about Jesus. The passage that he was reading from was from Isaiah 53. We've, we've heard it a thousand times, right? Philip shares that it is about Jesus, and he shares the gospel with the man in that moment in the chariot. He wanted to make sure that this man got the full glimpse of who Jesus was. He desired that this man knew who Christ was through the reading of the scriptures, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, right? I desire to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, because truly that is the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God working in you. Just to paraphrase those verses. And we see that the eunuch believes, right? He says, this is amazing stuff. I believe it. And he's so assured about what he believes. They come up to an oasis and he says, Here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? And Philip says, Well, we have to talk to church leadership, right? We have to set a date. We have to, we have to get the the, the fellowship luncheon afterwards, right? We got to get all these things coordinated. So we can't baptize you yet. But if you wait a week, we can do it. We can, we can gather some people. We can make it a little bit of a spectacle. And uh <laughs> No, that doesn't happen, right? Philip's like, nothing is keeping you from getting baptized. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're right. Here's water. Let's go. Um, Real quick story. This this week at team camp, we had two people be baptized. And they, they came up on Thursday. We had made the announcement. If you want to be baptized, let us know. We've done it in the past. We're not afraid to do it. And they said, yes, we want to be baptized. And then we say, at least call your parents, check with them. You know, we have a conversation with them. And we say, all right. We're going to get baptized, and on Friday evening, we baptized a brother and a sister, Uh, and it was amazing. It was amazing to see that they wanted to be baptized, and we're like, well, here's water. Yes, it's the camp swimming pond, but what keeps you from being baptized, right? Nothing. Let's do it. Let's do it. And so we did it. It was all right. The water wasn't that cold. Um, but it was amazing experience, right? It was confirmation that this is the Lord working in the lives of these people, just like it's confirmation to the eunuch himself and to Philip that the Lord is moving. The impact of the gospel has been felt. The impact of the gospel has been made. And we see that they have no hesitation in baptizing this man. And we see that they go into the water baptize him, and as soon as the Ethiopian eunuch comes out, the Lord takes Philip away, just like that, poof, and the Ethiopian eunuch is just left, I'm probably pretty sure, left standing there in the water, and as what happens, it says that he rejoices, he rejoices, this thing, it confirms in his soul all the more that this was real, that this message of the gospel is powerful and life-changing and impactful, he rejoices, even though Philip has been taken away, he's like, Something amazing has happened here. And we see he's rejoicing. And we see he gets back on and heads back down to Ethiopia. Think about this. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. To the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. Philip was the first witness (laughs) to someone who traveled to the quote-unquote at that time, ends of the earth. You don't think that Ethiopian eunuch took that message, took that story back with him to Ethiopia? Oh, I believe he did. In fact, if you look at history, that part of Africa is one of the first biggest areas that has a basically Christian evangelical explosion in in the early first century or the early, you know, what we know as A.D. time period. That part of Africa explodes. The Nubia kingdom, the Ethiopians have a great revival, great awakening, and many come to believe in Christ. Don't know if it's exactly after this, but it happens in great numbers. And we sometimes fail to to see that and recognize that. But we see the impact it has. And the last thing we know about Philip is that he continues on preaching the gospel, right? And then we don't hear about it until Acts 21, verse 6, when it says, Paul stops at his house in Caesarea Philippi. Philip kept going all the way to Caesarea Philippi to share the gospel. And Paul calls him, I stayed at the home of Philip, the evangelist. I stayed at his house. I stayed at the man who is known for sharing the gospel. So little ordinary Philip was used in such a mighty way that by the time Paul gets to his house on his way to Rome, Philip is known as someone who has shared the gospel extensively, has shared the kingdom and lived out the kingdom in a very crazy, in a very worldly Roman empire, especially the the city of Caesarea Philippi, which was supposed to be the little Rome of its time. So think about that. Here is this man, ordinary Philip, living out the gospel, sharing the gospel in a a crazy and wild world. How often do we have the opportunities to come alongside someone and ask if they need help? How often do we do we share the gospel or or share about Jesus or help someone get a better understanding of what they're they're hearing, reading? Or believing, How often are we willing to listen to what they are thinking or what they are processing? Are we then willing also then to take the time and share things with them or take the time to help them or take the time to listen? At team camp, that's one of the biggest things we emphasize as counselors when we have team time, when we have discussion time. Counselors, I don't really want you doing the talking. I want the kids doing the talking. I want them to share. I want them to vocalize. And I want you to be there to help them process And you know what? It's a beautiful thing when that actually happens. And we saw it two weeks ago during team camp, how all these kids were willing to share and the, the counselors were right there. The staff was right there to listen, to help, to guide, to lead. And it brought about beautiful moments. It brought about team times that are only supposed to last 45 minutes, hour and a half, two hours. I kid you not. I'm sitting there when free time is supposed to start in the evening. I'm like, where is everybody? And they're like, they're still in team time. I'm like, okay. Okay, and they tell me, they were talking, we were discussing, and we were going, and it was amazing. And the Lord was moving, and the Lord was working, all because they were willing to listen, to help, to share in those moments. And you see the fruit, you see the spirit move in all the hearts, and all the minds, and all the lives. So, as we kind of wrap up this chapter and this message, what else can we learn overall? What have we learned overall? What can we take with us? I think it's this. It's that, as we said at the beginning, God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things, especially in regards to the gospel, especially in regards to his kingdom and to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit is truly the helper and guide that Jesus promised. None of this would have been possible without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus says, I have to go so the Holy Spirit can come and be that helper for you, be that guide for you, be that prompter for you. And Philip was willing to listen to that. The Holy Spirit truly is the helper that God, that Jesus promised us back in the Gospels. And we see that good things happen. We see the gospel goes forward. The kingdom gets expanded. And, and that good things are accomplished when we listen and follow the Holy Spirit's leading. That That is, that is I know, something hard for us to process and hard for us to, to fathom. How does that happen? How does that look? I'd say when you have moments to serve somebody, when you have moments to help somebody, when you have moments to be there some, for somebody, even when you have moments to pray for somebody, those are those moments that the Holy Spirit is working, and you see the fruit come out of it. We also see and also can learn that God loves unwanted people. God loves unwanted people. Yes, God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the gospel, but he also loves Unwanted people, that's something that was reminded to me at teen camp by Peter Assad. God God loves unwanted people. We see it in the Samaritans. We see it in the Ethiopian eunuch. They were truly not wanted people in society, right, based upon who they were and their status. And we see that throughout Scripture. You can go through the Old Testament to the New Testament, how God loves the unwanted people and how he impacts their lives and then uses them for his power and for his glory. So God loves unwanted people. And guess what? If God loves unwanted people, I think you can follow this, then God wants his people to love unwanted people just as much. He wants us to show the love and share the good news to those unwanted people, whoever they may be. And we see that God wants the unpeople, unwanted people, to hear the good news. He wants those people who are hurting, who are suffering, who are poor, who are lame, who are sick, where the world has just basically kicked them down and kept them there, he wants them to hear the good news just as much as the Ethiopian eunuch, just as much as the next person. And we see that God can and wants to use you and me just like he did Philip. Kingdom people used to show and bring others into the kingdom no matter who, no matter where, no matter when. May we be encouraged by Philip to listen, be prompted, and follow the Holy Spirit's leading into sharing the gospel, sharing the kingdom, sharing Jesus Christ with those around us. God wants us to use us in that way, us ordinary people, to do extraordinary things and to be impactful and bring joy to those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for your word and for this story and for Philip, Lord, and what he teaches us through his actions and through the amazing experiences he has in Samaria and Ethiopia. And Lord, we are thankful that you can remind us that you can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for your kingdom, for the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. So help us to be encouraged by Philip. Help us to be encouraged by this story and help us to understand how we can go and live that out in the world around us and the people we interact with. Help us to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, to follow the guidance, to be prompted and to know that whatever the Spirit is leading us to do is a good thing because it's from you. It's not some crazy chaotic thing. It's all from you and that the Holy Spirit is working to bring glory and honor to you. So help us to listen and help us to know what that means, Lord. Give us understanding. Give us give us the idea, give us the sense of when we should be sharing the kingdom with these people, with those around us, Lord. We ask this, Lord, and we also think of, of those who are hurting right now, Lord. We think of the Kaluches, Lord. We think of Rocco and, and Anthony and Stephen and Rachel, and, and Lord, with the whole family. We just pray for them now. We, we ask that you would comfort them and that you would just watch over them and help them during this hard time. And in the passing of our Minda, Lord, we, we thank you for her and her life. We thank you for the impact that she has made. We thank you for how she was a mother to her kids, Lord. And we just thank you now, Lord, that she is resting with you and in peace. And Lord, we just just could pray right now for the peace that you would give to the Colucci family during this time. And also wisdom and strength as they have to do so many things. Uh, and, Lord, we just think of the Bristos, and we think of all those who are serving you, ordinary people, George and Donna, uh, who are coming to the end of their, their missionary journey. And we pray that you would just be with them and give them wisdom and encouragement as they pass on the work to those around them. And, Lord, help us to be encouraged by them and the work that they've done and how you use them in Turkey, Lord, uh, so that we may go and, and be the same lights and be the same gospel bringers to the world around us we thank you and we lift up all these things and pray them in your name. Amen.